Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me returning for his second appearance, we have Josh Wolmer, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Josh, how are you? How are you doing, buddy? It's been a long time. It's been a while. I'm, I'm really good. It's been a fantastic baseball season at this point. Yeah, really. I mean... To get the start, we actually haven't been able to get you in here since before the season officially started. Um, what have been your early takeaways, so to say? The fact is a lot of teams have been underperforming, to say the least. I mean, you look at the AL East to begin with, both Tampa and Toronto, two teams that everybody was expecting to be really, really good this year. They're playing close to 500 baseball. Then you go to the Central Division, the White Sox, I mean – they're under 500, and we were expecting that team to run away with a division. In the West, you saw the Angels. Everybody thought they would have a really good season with Trout being healthy. Then they went on this long losing streak, falling below 500. Get out to the East. The Braves defending champs just above 500, but they were struggling earlier in the year. You had to the Central Division. I mean, you got pretty much what you expected there. Without West, you had the three-team race between the Dodgers, Padres, and and the Giants, but still a lot of teams shocking a lot of people because they're just not performing to where their expectations are. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where um, I think certainly an interesting wrinkle we haven't gotten to talk about yet is 
these underperforming team or overperforming teams and the teams that were underperforming that are now kind of back, they've gotten things back together for themselves. Particularly, I'm looking at Minnesota and I'm looking at Boston, have kind of played spoiler spoiler to the trade deadline market because there was a chance for some major shortstop movement this offseason that's not going to be happening now with all these teams grinding into playoff spots. But we are in the middle of our um, so the joke, it, the, it's a joke in terms of our planning um, on the show. We wanted to do the 12 days of Memorial Day. We, we call Memorial Day the first official unofficial season where you get to that point, you really know what the season's kind of looking like. And so we were trying to do all of our award stuff in like a 12 days of Christmas after that, completely forgetting we had, you know, player of the weeks, um, power rankings, days off, a million other things. So now it's turned into like the 15, 16 days, somewhat close to Memorial Day. But do you have any award predictions before Ooh, it gets award too far prediction. into the season? I mean, Aaron Judge, MVP. That that one is really becoming unanimous. The guy is playing on another level. I don't, I don't think I've seen a player be this dominant out of nowhere like he has. The guy already has over 20 homers. And it's not like they're Yankee Stadium cheapies. Like, he's absolutely destroying the baseball. He's transitioned to a leadoff spot role and absolutely destroyed it. He's playing well above expectations. Cy Young this year, I really am looking at Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays, who has been lights out, pitching extremely well for a young lefty. He's been one of the lone bright spots on a team that has a lot of players performing well below expectations, pretty injury riddled. And looking at um, in the NL quickly, I mean, there's a lot of guys you can go out and say, yeah, that's going to be your NL MVP. I mean, Mookie Betts started slow, but has been playing out of his mind. Finally showing why the Dodgers gave him that contract a couple of years ago after the trade from the Red Sox. Saw a young candidate, they can go to like 50 million people. Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Miles Michaelis. There's a lot of guys in there. So that's where I'm looking at for my awards right now. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, honestly, again, I think the only clear-cut situation so far has been uh, the Rookie of the Years to me, which I believe we're actually going to be getting into um, not tomorrow, but Tuesday and Wednesday where, you know, you've got a two-horse race in the American League with Julio Rodriguez and Jeremy Pena, and then Seiya Suzuki versus the field in the NL right now. There hasn't been a lot of uh, movers and shakers there. Yeah, this has been one of the more underwhelming years of rookies. I mean, coming in, you're thinking like Adley could be in there, but he's been lackluster. You're thinking Jerry Kellenick could be in that conversation, but he's been one of the most overhyped prospects we've seen in the recent decades, so... It's been really underwhelming. It's going to be two, two out of the three guys are going to take home a trophy. It just matters who's going to win the AL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of news here, and that's going to come from Los Angeles. This is the, like, sixth day in a row that we have led off with Los Angeles news. This is the first time we're leading off with the Dodgers as the Dodgers place Walker Bueller on the 15-day IL due to a forearm strain. Uh, this, of course, you know, this is a this is a blow to this team. I always struggle struggle to figure out how much of a blow anything possibly is to this Dodgers team because as much as this is very clearly a Cy Young contender that they're losing for the next two weeks minimum, 
you've got plenty left here in the tank. I mean, this is a team that, you know, you're just kind of, you throw uh, Tyler Anderson into the ranks here this year. He hasn't missed a beat 307 ERA to start the year. The rest of the group that you've got in there is just as strong as ever. And eventually you're going to get some of these other guys back healthy. The thing that amazes me is, I mean, it's very easy to forget that Danny Duffy's on this roster. And like he, he went to, he went to LA and promptly got hurt. They still bring him back. And he's just going to, he's going to be an absolute menace when he gets back into this team. Don't you think? Yeah. But I mean, this loss is actually bigger than most we were really putting it. You look at this starting rotation, it is extremely left-handed heavy. I mean, you got guys like Julio Darius, Clayton Kershaw, who, yes, is on the IL right now. Tyler Anderson, you're losing a big-time rating. And when you have so many lefties in your rotation and then you're eventually going to get Andrew Heaney back and you talk about Danny Duffy, it makes managers' jobs a lot easier with the lineups because you go against the Dodgers in, the, in a four-game series and you're facing pretty much three lefties, it helps you make a consistent lineup that can help get your players going. You don't have to bounce guys around like bad guys second one day versus a left because they're much better against them. And then have to move them down to the bottom or against righties just because you can't take them out of your lineup. I mean, Bueller has not looked all that sharp this year. He's been, his record kind of is reflected the team he's playing on. But I mean, this is a big loss because he's very talented. One of the better right-handed pitchers in baseball this one's going to hurt a little bit and it's going to show. Yeah. And, you know, it's also certainly interesting, I think, to figure out, you know, a lot of time these times, these pitcher injuries start to show themselves way before they actually become a thing. You know, you look at starts prior, you look, start to look at these inflated numbers by all of his standards and by his talent level here for Walker Bueller. And you get to the questions of, how much was something affecting him in the days prior? I mean, I, I think very similarly to the whole Casey Myers situation this year where he came out and looked absolutely awful through his first couple starts and goes to the IL in mid-April, ends up getting Tommy John this last week. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, that's kind of a clear indicator that there was definitely something there beforehand that they were trying, kind of trying to pull through. But as for the Dodgers, one saving grace, a silver lining for them, I have to think, is at least San Francisco hasn't been at their best. You know, you've got a real issue right now with San Diego playing so well. They've climbed They've climbed not only back into this division race, but into the top five to four, five to three teams in the entire league, like into contending level record, contending level convince, convincingness of their wins from what I've seen so far, like I'm really starting to actually believe in them. You add that to them actually having a really good run of form right now. And that spells trouble for a team that a Dodgers team that's really hurt, you know, assuming he comes back sooner rather than later, that's still two weeks you have to grind through. And I'm not sure with the Dodgers current run of poor form and San Diego's current run of hot form, you lose Bueller mean means a lot more right now because you're only going to have you only have three games against the angels right you're only going to get those three wins currently to turn things around yeah you're talking about the padres i mean they're playing very good baseball and this is a team that 
I mean, a couple weeks ago, we were all talking about the fact that they, they needed some pieces to fill in that starting lineup. But, like, they were missing another power hitter. The trade for Luke Voigt really didn't pan out. Eric Hosmer was still in the training block, and everybody thought that he would still possibly get traded and see if they can get something back that can help their team out. There's certain rotation. I mean, yes, it has not been the greatest. Joe Musgrove is still pitching out of this world right now. He could very well be in the Cy Young running as well. But I'm still waiting for Blake Snell to return to his form that we saw back when he was in Tampa. And I'm still thinking that he could be showing some size, the uh, signs that he's still not 100%, that something is still bothering him. But he's just so eager to be out on that mound. He has not looked sharp, but the way that team is playing, anything can happen. And they're, they're playing very good baseball, and they're playing well as a team. They're all having fun. And that's the most important thing when you're out on that diamond to win games is that you're having fun and not trying to grind it all out. Yeah, again, it just makes such a difference having that. It builds the chemistry. The chemistry builds the momentum. The momentum builds wins. That's really how that's how the game is played. And I'm certainly – I don't want to – not to take anything away from Bob Melvin because even right now – this team looks better than they did this time last year. And at this time last year, we were putting the Padres in a pretty good light, but I would say, I don't really want to trust this team actually sticking it, sticking it out until I see them into those dog days of summer, because absolutely. that absolutely destroyed this team from a, from a clubhouse perspective. We really need to see again. It wasn't the leadership. Was it not liking the manager, not getting along with the manager that sparked all of those chemistry issues or was it players on the team? Is this something that's fixable for this team? I think is something that we're going to really have to question coming up. Now let's go ahead over to the Chicago to Chicago games. Cause you actually found some very interesting numbers from the Cubs of late. Yeah. The Cubs in the past two games against the Yankees, and it's going to go back a little bit further. They're now over 40 with the runners in scoring position. This, this team is really in shambles. They're, they're really falling apart year by year. Ever since their win in 2016, this team has keep, keep falling down the ladder. And now they're having trouble scoring with runners in scoring position. They had their chances last night against the Yankees in a game that went 13 innings. You never hear those games anymore. They just couldn't find a way to push one more run across. They were over 18 in that game. In this, in today's game, they were over something. They had quite a few runs in scoring position. I just couldn't count anymore. They're really struggling offensively. Sure, Nico Horner is playing really good. Say Suzuki is doing his part, but the rest of the lineup is just falling through. It's a bunch of guys that really are great starters elsewhere. Jason Hayward, I mean, you're paying him all the money. You kind of have to play him, but elsewhere – who knows what they have left. Contreras, I guess he's the other guy you really have to play every day, but everybody else's spot is up for grabs, and they're not playing baseball that's fun to watch right now. It, it's kind of embarrassing. Once again, until you pad the Yankees stats, uh, having the best record in baseball, and they're not falling away from that sign anywhere, despite the fact they have injuries in the rotation, in their starting lineup, in their bullpen. They're, they're just continuing to play really good. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. It's, you know, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot here, Chicago, because I'm never going to be fully – excuse me about that. Um, I'm never going to be fully bought into the I- whole idea, the whole concept of tearing everything apart to the studs and rebuilding. 
I just don't see that as actually being, you know, that's, that's not an effective way to do things. If you have stars, try to keep those stars around. It might take a couple of years of them not being, of you not being competitive, but if you're willing to commit to competitive baseball, you can get there a lot quicker than tearing things down to the very studs. Um, and that's really what they've done here. They got rid of everyone. Odds are Wilson Contreras is out the door at the end of the year. And all of a sudden you're left back here again, trotting out mediocre players at seven of the nine positions. I mean, Christopher Morrell has been great. Say Suzuki has been great. There's certainly players that are pulling their weight on this team. And that's not to discount their spot, but you know, this is a lot of, these aren't top prospects that they've decided to come up. This isn't a farm system that they're like, all right, this is our future. These are a bunch of young guys that will be our next championship squad. Let's get the older guys out and let's try to win with this new young core. This is, they, they replaced them. They replaced a division contending team with absolutely nothing. And it's frustrating. It but, is. I mean, the Cubs just really aren't finding the way. I mean, their head coach, David Ross, he, he got to come some slack because he's been given these players. It's not like he had a choice to have many of these guys on his team. It's not like they're great players. You brought up Morrell. He, he's been phenomenal since his call up. And it was just the fact that David Ross talked to him and told him to breathe and calm down that got him to the form he is today. He's going to ease your everyday guy. And the best part is he's a utility player that pretty much could play anywhere on the field except for me first base and catching. And that's phenomenal. But this is a team that's going to keep falling to the same steps. And it's almost wondering if they almost ruined their team by spending way too much on players. And I'll almost have to wonder, what's the status on Marcus Stroman? Do you keep him with all that money for the couple more years that's left on his contract? Do you try to deal him away to get more prospects and help build a young farm system that within four to five years, you're ready to have a competing, uh, competing team that's young and you can keep together as a core for more and more years to come. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are, are we even sure that that world really works? I tend to feel that groups like the Houston Astros who go and do this whole, you know, tanking, getting the payroll down, getting as bad as you can to get these prospects in there, I feel like they're more the exception to the rule than anything because there's plenty of teams that are trying that and failing miserably because they don't have the stats. They don't have the direction. They don't have the level of scouting that these teams do. Teams like Houston, LA and Tampa are just a step ahead. That's what makes them able to do this stuff. But I just, I am not sure this is necessarily the vision for this team, but on the whole Marcus Stroman thing, there's a reason you haven't heard much from him. Not only has he been hurt, but 47 innings, 5-3-2 ERA. I don't, I don't know. I don't see them getting anything for him at this point. Like, this is, this is some tough stuff. It's tough to see, but there's going to be a team that's going to be willing to give something for him because he was really good last year. He was really good in Toronto. Maybe it's just the scenery in Chicago with the fact that he feels like he has to do so much because of just how bad the team is. We have seen it time and time again where players try to do too much. And in the end, it just backfires. But he just needs a new scenery to reestablish himself because he was really good last year. And there were many signs in Toronto of him being that next guy, that next big stud since Roy Halladay. Oh, yeah. There's certainly 
like he he's got he's got stuff there. He has he has the ability. It'll just it's I think it's a matter of a year this year or next year will this move come because there's certainly there's a lot of other guys at play here for this type of situation. I mean, we could very well see the Diamondbacks move one or two of their starters who've particularly played well this year. Cincinnati is going to have two pieces coming off their roster at some point here. Same thing with Oakland. But let's jump across to the other Chicago team as the White Sox continue to disappoint. They continue to mostly, without being too biased towards my own opinions, get outmanaged. And the fans are really finally having enough of it as the fans start actively chanting and cheering against Tony La Russa for his firing, all, all being capped off by the big showing of, you know, you walk, you walk a guy with a one, two count, two outs. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty low average count to be in, right? Your odds uh, of getting out of the inning is pretty high. Low. Yeah, low. I'd think so too. Um, and it ends up getting absolutely burned for it. Do, how long do you see Tony La Russa still in Chicago? The fact is, I'm shocked he's still there. I thought that when they hired him as a manager back after COVID, uh, the COVID season, I thought it was the biggest mistake in the history of managerial hires. He's in his 80s. He hasn't coached in this era of baseball. Last year, it was really the players that got him to where he was. The pitching was phenomenal. Players were performing above expectations. But this year, they can't figure anything out. Nothing has changed. Their lineup since day one has been struggling to get going offensively. Their pitching staff, despite no Lance Lynn, their ERAs are through the roof. Liam Hendricks has been their lone bright spot in the bullpen. They've had a lot of underwhelming arms. And yes, I know losing Garrett Crochet to Tommy John did hurt them because that's a big left in your pen, but nothing has changed. It could be the fact they need to fire some coaches inside the clubhouse, but Tony La Russa is so far out of the game today and what it's really meant to be that it's hurting the White Sox more than helping them. Because you're looking at guys like Grandal still hitting below 200. And he's supposed to be one of the best catchers in the game today, all around hitting and defensively. Jose Abreu is hitting 250. Tim Anderson is on the IL. He's the old, actually hitting 356, which is actually really good. But A.J. Pollock in the 230s. Robert, who's hitting 280. And then you got other guys like Yuan Mankata, who's in, I think, a buck 33 right now. And I know it's probably changed after a game, the game today where they lost the next innings. But this is a team that is loaded with, with talent offensively, yet it's not showing on paper. Pitching-wise, you look at Lucas Giolito, who's supposed to be your big guy. He's only 4-2 and two this year and nine games started. It's not great. Dylan Cease, I, I'm still kind of sad to see him with the ERA just under four, he was gonna be, he was my preseason pick to win the AL Cy Young Award winner. After all the hype he was getting on Twitter, the fact his fast was jumping quite a few miles per hour, and his command was there. But guys are underperforming, and nobody's helping them change it. Their off days are not being used wisely, from what I've seen, and it's not gonna get better anytime soon unless something happens. Because we have seen teams fire their managers, and all of a sudden things change. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I honestly feel like this is more of that situation as we'll get into it in a minute, but the white, uh, the Phillies, excuse me, have not lost since they fired Joe Girardi. That's, I feel like, it's just such an indictment on the relationship between the team and the manager when groups pull that off because it gets to a point where you just don't trust the guy anymore. And time and time again, he's put this team in positions to fail, his players in positions to fail. And I don't see how you can recover that relationship if it's even still there. I'm not sure they'll ever have the balls to actually fire Tony La Russa, but at this point, I'm not even sure it 100% matters because they've really, they've taken this team and pushed them back at least two years. Like this was a team that won the division a year. They were ahead of schedule. I think they're now behind schedule for their talent right now, just on both moves that the front office has made and him misusing this team. Overall, the depth doesn't look nearly as good as I ever thought thought it was. And all of a sudden, now you're looking at a situation where the majority of this bullpen is mediocre and the back end is just downright awful. And you're not even putting yourself in good situations because honestly, the thing that this year really bugged me was the way Joe Kelly was used. You know, he's hurt. It's something that happens. But you bring guys back, you build them back better than they were before, right? You give them the confidence, you let them slowly go in there. There's reason guy, a lot of guys do rehab starts and rehab appearances so they can build that confidence in that game form. Instead, Tony La Russa gets Joe Kelly back and immediately starts throwing him into eighth inning save or hold opportunities. And he was failing miserably. You know, you can't expect a guy who hasn't pitched in since I believe it was last August was the last time Joe Kelly had pitched before this. You can't throw him in there in high leverage situations four days out of seven and expect him to do well. And that's just, that's such an indictment on the way things are going there. But will this um, ownership group care to change it, want to change it? I'm not so sure on that. You know, here's the hard thing about it. Tony Tony LaRusso is a Hall of Fame coach. He has been coaching the game since I believe the 80s, where pitchers normally were going to go as long as they wanted to or go as long as they could, and then you finally take them out. The game has changed today where starting pitchers, most of them go like five innings. He, he doesn't understand the game the way it is today. Back in the 80s, there really wasn't as such things as rehab starts. You go in another 20 years, there really wasn't such a thing. Minor league baseball isn't the way it is today with the majority of teams being made now, or there are more teams now than were probably about 20 years ago. He, he still just doesn't understand that. And I think he saw the fact that Joe Kelly has probably been there before being the fact that he's, I believe he's 37 years old up there in age that he thought he could get, get away with it. And it's really come back to hurt the team. Yeah. Well, let's move into a couple win streaks here to wrap things up. 
Uh, starting with the Atlanta Braves, you know, your defending champions, they've won 10 games straight now. They are now six games above 500. Overall, Josh, how do you break this down? I mean, it's come all with the offense. You're looking at guys like Ozzy Albies, who's finally gone hot. Matt, Matt Olson, their big uh, preseason acquisition, he's getting hot. Dansby Swanson is hitting the baseball better than he's ever hit it before. Austin Riley is holding his own, leading the team in home runs. I mean, you got your outfield uh, of uh, Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall still crushing the baseball. I mean, uh, Travis Demerite, if that's how you say his name, I do apologize if I butchered it. He's played in quite a few games this year. He's actually been a solid hitter when he's had his streaking on the play. They got Ronald Acuna back, and he's hitting 319. I mean, their offense has come to life. It's helped out their pitching, which has been pretty solid this year. I mean, Kyle Wright was fantastic at the end of the year. Still in ERA, well under three. Max Freed has an ERA under, under three as well, and nobody's even talked about him. Charlie Martin, after a really, really bad start of the year, now has a winning record. Ian Anderson has a winning record as well. So their pitching and- is getting it done. Yeah, and Ian Anderson, too, you know, you talk about, I think, probably, that's a guy who really should be at max around a 3-5 ERA. So, he's got plenty to plenty to back up on the other end, and eventually, hopefully, as long as he doesn't tear his, AC, his Achilles for a third straight time, uh, you'll get Mike Soroka back eventually. Um, and that, that, if he's half of what he was before, is fantastic i'm just i'm very high on this team you know i want to attribute as much as there's other guys doing it i think the biggest impact is just having ronald acuna in the lineup you're now 130 plate appearances in that's really when the whole the momentum for the season shifted when he came back into this lineup and immediately started producing it's it's been a sight to see i think it gave a lot of guys a lot more confidence in themselves and in this team. Now, all of a sudden we're looking at this team and we're talking about them being maybe what two pieces away. I think if you put the, if you put another solid bat into this lineup and you put another starter onto this team, you're looking at a team that could easily go back to back. Yeah. This is a team that's definitely going to be in the market for another center fielder. I feel like this could be a team that goes after a guy like Cedric Mullins, who just is having a down year after the kind of 2021 he had going 30 for 30. They could also be in the market for Brian Reynolds. They, they, I really think that they are a center fielder away from having the perfect lineup. Sure, Duvall is a power hitter. He's actually solid defensively, in my opinion. But you need an everyday guy, a guy who can hit both sides of the plate. Adam Duvall just isn't that guy. He is great against lefties. But against righties, just get ready to play defense if you have two down in the inning because he's just not, not, not going to be the guy that gets it done. With that being said, one of their rookies, Michael Harris, the second, is slashing 298, 327, 447 to start the year since he got called up. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's 100% center field that needs to go with it. Um, as a Red Sox fan, you know, he's my favorite player. And this scenario isn't at all in play now that they're a playoff team. But a couple of weeks ago, I really kind of bought into this idea and let me know what you think of it. Xander Bogarts to this team. And hear me out. 
Dansby Swanson's having the best year of his career, you know, slashing 286, 354, 446, seven homers, nine stolen bases, and finally being recognized as an elite defensive shortstop. He is going to get an absolute bag this winter. If you're Atlanta and you decide you maybe don't think he's worth 100% that money, or you can get more bang for your buck if you get a guy that's going to be $5 million a year more, you could theoretically trade for Xander Bogarts now or any, or any shortstop, really. Move him to third for the rest of the season and move Ozuna out into left. How scary would that lineup be? Because that, that keeps Austin Riley, who's been one of the best bats in the league this year, that keeps him out of the field where he has been struggling mightily this season, but that doesn't, that doesn't put him away for forever. Like he can, he's still going to be able to develop as a defender, as their everyday third baseman going on. Obviously the Red Sox, their playoff team right now. I don't see another team in this. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I don't see another team in the American league. That's really going to be pushing that much for it. I think the White Sox are still going to find ways to beat themselves. Cleveland, the talent's not there. And so ultimately, I think they've got a really, really, really strong chance of there being four American League East teams in the playoff this year. But that really goes for any third baseman or especially shortstops if you wanted to bring them in. How scary does that lineup look? That lineup would, oh my God except for the fact that you could possibly throw Burritts into that situation, but I just don't see the Red Sox putting him on the trade blocker, getting rid of him. His. Well, they won't. Well, let me re, let me say this. Let me at least keep the expectations here. I've accepted the fact that, you know, the greatest shortstop in Red Sox history, my favorite player will not be a Red Sox after this year. Cause they're too cheap to pay him, but right. You know, all right. Well, if you throw that into consideration, this lineup would be fantastic. And the fact is Swanson's going to get paid a lot of money. He is one of the most underrated talents in all of baseball. Preach. But Bogart's going into this lineup with very easily, and I think that it very well could be the best lineup in baseball. I'm not saying that they're not a great lineup. I think that this is a really, really good team on paper. You're talking about Michael Harris in center field. Uh, I mean, he's only playing in 13 games. He, he still could find a way to, I mean, steal that uh, starting position. But there's a lot of power in this lineup, a lot of contact, and they're still getting some production from players that you wouldn't expect to, like William Contreras or Travis Darnon. So that, that makes this lineup deadly. Any starting pitcher, even a nace, could fear this lineup because there's no guaranteed out in there. But y'all know how great Bogart says, and the fact is that he could put any baseball into play, and good things happen when you put the baseball into play. 100%. And also, my favorite part about this team, they have prospects that are very easy to trade right now, like, or they can be very willing to trade. The most telltale thing, I think, about them bringing up Michael Harris a couple weeks ago is the fact that this was your double-A center fielder. He jumped Drew Waters, who was supposed to be like his estimated time of arrival in the big league was like a year ago. So they clearly do not love him as much as everyone else that's ranking players seems to really be in on Drew Waters. So all of a sudden I'm looking at their top 10 guys and I see 
in addition to a bunch of guys that aren't like huge needle movers, you've got guys like Drew Waters and Tucker Davidson, who've clearly not been able to actually break into your major league roster that a lot of teams would still be interested in like MLB ready players move. So, you know, those are, those are pieces that can really get them a big splash. But before we wrap up here, we do want to touch on the Philadelphia Phillies who we did say haven't lost since Joe Girardi left. Do you think, you know, now this is nine straight games. How much do you think it does have to do with him? I still think it has little to nothing to do with them. I think that players were unhappy with them, but their lineup has stayed the same. They're just they're just producing more because they're facing weaker pitching. I think their real issues still have to come with their bullpen. Sure, their ERAs are really good. Sir Anthony Dominguez is having a career season with an ERA under two. But you look at the previous seasons. Their bullpen was their biggest kryptonite. And you look at the guys in there right now, Jerry's Familia. Yeah, he, he's been up and down the majors the past few seasons, jumping around teams. Brad Hand. Last year, he, he literally couldn't stand a team. He was bouncing around because his ERA was un, unimaginable for a reliever that was just so dominant. It was a closer at one point in his career. Andrew Bellotti, this is finally his first season where he's actually been noticeable on the, on the bullpen. Corey Knebel, he's got a break as a closer. He does have 11 saves this year. But then outside of that, you're looking at Jose Alvarado, who has since been left just on the 40-man roster, not no longer in that bullpen. Nick Nelson, who has seen his ERA drop in his past few outings, but he has been susceptible to walking hitters. He's lost some command on that fastball. James Norwood is still sitting in that bullpen, ERA under eight. I think that this team is still way overrated. They should, they do have a good lineup with Schwarber. Harper, who is still hitting the baseball 500 feet every single time he hits it. Nick Castellanos, who has been kind of underwhelming this year with only seven homer, homers hitting 250. DT Real Muto, who's hitting 240. Reese Hoskins, who has struggled to start the year, but has started to heat up a little bit. I still think that this team does have some good hitters and a lot that aren't performing, but their bullpen is still their biggest kryptonite, and that's going to come back to haunt them heading into the summer with a lot of guys who are still very unproven. Yeah, I will challenge you on their biggest kryptonite. Their biggest kryptonite still and will continue to be their defense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, defense does win championships, but the fact is you need to have a pitcher who can come in there and shut things down and strike guys out. They don't have that guy. So when you don't have that guy, it really puts stress on your defense. And we all know that their defense was going to be issues to begin with, but that's Dave Dombrowski. He never emphasizes a team in defense. He goes for the big name guys will trade away prospects and well, look what they're at now. He also, he also, I don't think he's ever identified a reliever successfully, but um, we certainly have plenty of experience on that. The, but that being said, the Phillies have beaten the Giants, the Brewers, and the Diamondbacks in these nine wins. Those are really good pitching staffs. Those are really solid pitching staffs. They've put up these numbers against. I, I really do think this has a lot to do with him not being there. It just, it breathes life into a team, especially when you have fully lost confidence 
in the manager and feel like he is, you know, holding you back, which like it or not, Joe Girardi a hundred percent was, you know, a lot of people tried to say, Oh, well, how much control does a manager really have? First off, if he doesn't have that much control, then why do we have the manager in the first place? They clearly have an impact on the game and they should be held for that impact. But also we've clearly identified for a number of years now that the defense has been a major issue. This was a historically bad defense last year and has gotten worse this year. And yet you look around the staff that Joe Girardi put together, there is no defensive presence there. There's no one who's necessarily going to coach on that. There's no one who can effectively coach on that. There's not even really, there's a shocking lack of outfield experience on the coaching staff as well. So, you know, he's not putting them in, wasn't putting them in situations to be successful. I think runs like this and runs against like we had, we've seen with the Angels of late where they're now, you know, I believe they're still leading against the Mets. They're up three, nothing in the top of the fourth against the Mets currently. That would be their second win in the last 10 games. But like, again, this is still a terrible, no good, very bad uh, run that the Angels have been on, and it didn't get any better when they fired Joe Madden. In my mind, you know, if he hasn't lost the clubhouse, which it really didn't seem like he had, unless you have your next guy, who, before we go, I'll let you uh, speculate if you have any options or fits that you particularly like for that role, for that job. Um, if you don't have him lined up and ready to come in, like, within the next couple of weeks, then what was the point of kicking him out? But did you have any thoughts on that job opening? I mean, there obviously are quite a few guys that could go into that role. role. I mean, Phil Nevin, I thought it was kind of funny to see the fact that he was one of the biggest reasons that the Yankees lost that wild card game last year. And all of a sudden, he's becoming the interim G manager going against, well, the team that he kind of helped get into that position, the Boston, the Boston Red Sox. But looking at some free agent managers, I mean, I still think that a team could possibly could lure Bruce Bochy out of retirement to take that role. I think that he could still very well miss baseball, almost like um, – Earl Weaver back in the eighties for the Orioles. Mike Sosha could be a good guy. I know um, Ron Washington could always be an interesting guy, Brad Ausmus, but I feel like that team, the manager really isn't a big issue for that team. It's the fact that players can't seem to stay healthy. I mean, they just lost Taylor Ward. Who's been one of the biggest surprises this year in that lineup. It was a, been a perennial leadoff hitter. You lose a guy like him who is almost getting on almost every single game. It takes a toll on your team and everything has to change up as well. Yeah. I, I really like, again, I I've been campaigning on the Bruce Bochy thing. Cause I really think it's the only job that's an option because if you're Bruce Bochy as, as much as you might miss baseball, it, if you've been there this long, you're not leaving the West coast for like, you're not, you're not leaving for the Philly job or anything you're you're staying out there and so if this came up it would be hard especially if given the right amount of money it'd be hard to say no and uh who wouldn't want the opportunity to be able to coach two 
amazing guys like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I think that's an opportunity you can't pass up. Absolutely. And honestly, I think the smartest pick would be, if it weren't Bochi, the smartest pick would be Ronald Washington. I'm glad you brought him up. I've brought him up a handful of times because I fully expect that they will go after a shortstop this offseason, like a high-level shortstop. All of a sudden, you have an infield of Jared Walsh, David Fletcher, Anthony Rendon, and insert shortstop here. Like all that that's that screams a Ron Washington led team where he can develop because he's been so influential to developing that terrific championship winning infield in Atlanta. But other than that, did you have any other takes you wanted to get in here before we head out? Um, no, not really, except for the fact that baseball is heating up it's being extremely enjoyable and makes and just i i'm honestly really shocked that some of the mo- more underlying pitchers that are performing really well like michael walker and martin perez who knew that a guy who was getting paid four million for one year was all of a sudden going to turn into a guy who had a streak of nine consecutive quality starts shut out a first place team in the houston astros and all of a sudden become a great bang for the buck absolutely i i will let you in on the fact that we have on the 23rd of June, we have a scheduled Martin Perez check-in that we've decided as I was, I was so not willing to buy in to the Martin Perez hype a couple weeks ago. I'm like, give me a month and I guarantee you, you won't be singing this song. And at this point I'm starting to get a little nervous because we might be singing this song. But well, on the bright side, if you didn't know, he did start that game today versus the, uh, White Sox only went five innings, gave up six runs, five earned, uh, only went and threw over 100 pitches. I think he did give up like 12 hits today. So maybe that is the song you were hoping to start seeing. It, take, it takes more than one to change, change the tune on some of these people, but we'll definitely see. That will end things, though, for us today. Make sure you follow on all of our social media at MLB Daily Pod. Um, Tell your friends anywhere you can get a uh, podcast. You can get MLB Daily there. Josh, thank you so much. And we will see you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Set your future in motion at Chicago State University with over 70 degree and certificate programs, ample scholarship opportunities, and vibrant campus life. Chicago State University is Chicago's number one most affordable public university with a diverse faculty, small class sizes, and almost 50 student organizations, including NCAA Division I athletics. At Chicago State, we provide you with the tools you need to succeed. Visit csu.edu admissions to learn how you can earn your freshman year tuition free.